Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Boris Johnson tries to rewrite history by implying that he was involved in sacking Matt Hancock. In the process, he's accidentally invented a new tongue twister, as it's impossible to say I sacked Matt Hancock three times quickly without coming across as a pervert. Keir Starmer says Labour is back after the party's narrow by-election victory in Batley and Spen, and I guess it's nice for him to actually pick a direction for once, even if it is backwards. Michael Gove is accused of a gross misuse of public money after unlawfully using a £560,000 contract intended for Covid relief to instead conduct political research. It would have just been a standard misuse of public money, but everything becomes gross once Michael Gove gets his hands on it. And finally, a man is arrested for common assault after Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty is accosted in a park. He stands accused of being far too intrusive and obnoxious, with absolutely no concept of how much personal space anyone physically needs, which is why it was absolutely no surprise when he turned out to be an estate agent. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're joining us for the season finale of IC News. We'll be wrapping up our fourth batch of multidimensional media hot takes with more scoops than a weeping divorcee with a tub of Ben and Jerry's. And we start tonight with a story that exploded pretty much immediately after our last episode aired. Turns out there finally was a scandal big enough to topple one of the members of Boris Johnson's cabinet. And at the weekend, Matt Hancock didn't so much fall on as trip over his own pork sword. With the controversy over his affair and breach of his own social distancing guidelines raging, the health secretary resigned on Saturday. This was despite the Prime Minister insisting on Friday that he considered the matter closed. It was that refusal to sack Hancock that came back to haunt Boris Johnson this week, as he attempted to cloud the issue like a panicked squid at Prime Minister's questions and frantically shat ink all over the dispatch box. It was apparently right and proper that we had a new health secretary by Saturday night, even though Boris himself had no desire for one and no willingness to punish even his most incompetent and dishonest of loyalists. Questions still remain over just how the CCTV footage of Matt Hancock leaked from the Department of Health in the first place, as Boris Johnson's administration continues to be plagued by conveniently timed leaks every time Michael Gove is having difficulty in the courts. Someone clearly wants the distractingly ugly truths getting out, and here at IC News we're more than willing to share them, as we have yet another bombshell recording from within the Prime Minister's inner circle. The Cabinet meeting you're about to hear took place last Friday night, before the Health Secretary announced his sudden resignation. Right you. Hello, everyone. Please uh, uh, sit down. Sit down. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, lovely to see you all here. Uh, thanks for coming. 
Now, if we could uh, all just put our keys in the bowl, later on we'll put on blindfolds and uh, take turns pulling one out, and uh, then we'll know... Prime Minister, this is a cabinet meeting. Oh, gosh, uh, golly, uh, how silly of me. Uh, sorry, Gavin, uh, forgot where he was there for a moment. <laughs> yes, yes, you're quite right. This is a work meeting. Bother. Right, um, what's on the agenda, then? Down, boy! Not on the table! Prime Minister, I'm sorry, but given the circumstances, is it really appropriate that the Health Secretary even attend this meeting? Who the fuck is this knobhead, and why is he talking to me? Just another faceless civil servant, Prime Minister. I've worked here for 18 months. You've had sex with my wife, Prime Minister. Well, I can't possibly be expected to remember everyone, can I? I'm a very busy man. Lots and lots of work to do. Oh God, she's awake. Good morning, Home Secretary. She's looking at me. Just don't make eye contact, you'll be fine. She's got to be full, she's already had two refugees this week. Good boy, he's a good boy, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, actually, Prime Minister, about that. Yes, we're facing a bit of a rebellion on this scandal, unfortunately. It's really starting to look as if the Health Secretary's position might be rather... untenable? I've tried a few untenable positions myself. The reverse Prometheus, for example. You really want a sofa for that one, for the back support, you see. Prime Minister, please. Oh, buggering hellfire and terrifying limbless chickens, fine. What's the sodding problem now? The affair, Prime Minister. Oh, for heaven's sake, again? Who have I done now? No, not you, Prime Minister, the Health Secretary. The tabloids have a photo of him kissing one of his aides. This guy? This guy right here? Really? Really, Prime Minister. What an absolute bloody legend. The problem is that all of this took place when Hancock's own social distancing guidelines were in place. It all looks rather bad. That's an understatement. It looks fucking horrible. Like he's a teenager mouthing the lingerie section of a fashion magazine. Well, what am I supposed to do exactly? I can't fire him. I can't fire anyone. You useless bastards are about the only thing making me look good. Until the inquiry, of course. (laughs) Then it sends off for the fucking lot of you. (laughs) I'm sorry, Prime Minister. I mean, uh, you're all bloody dedicated public servants and people of immense talent, wit and intelligence. Particularly you, Gavin. Oh, well, thank you. And you're definitely not a dismal incompetent forming a human shield for my own laziness and mendacity. Okay, well, that feels like an unnecessary disclaimer, but... The point is, Prime Minister, we really can't afford another Barnard Castle. But if you'll permit me, I do believe that there is a solution. No, pretty, that's your solution to everything. Besides, he's all hairline and elbows. You'd never digest him properly. We ask Mr Hancock to resign. Not for the affair, but for breaching the guidelines... And then we send a gift basket of gold bullion and virgin's blood to Rupert Murdoch. You know, to say thank you for reminding us that none of us are safe and that he truly holds the balance of power in this country. And you're saying this way I can still get away with all the affairs? 
I think this might be the best we can do, Prime Minister. Hmm. And the best this government can do is good enough, is it? <laughs> Sorry, was that a rhetorical question? Um, there's also the question of just who we replace Mr Hancock with. Can't we just go to the pound and get a new one that looks just like him before anyone notices? I think that might be somewhat missing the point, Prime Minister. Oh, I know. What about Sajid Javid? He desperately wants to reopen the economy and it'll piss Dominic Cummings right off. Now listen here, you. Stewardship of the NHS is one of the most important jobs in the British government. We don't just give the job to the first name in the hat. It requires skill, talent, intelligence and a thorough understanding of the fundamental social contract that underpins our treasured public healthcare system. Is he... weeing? Hmm, I take your point. Javid, it is then. Now everyone, blindfolds on, let's find out who we're diddling. Oh shit, right, right, it's a work meeting. (sighs) Is it home time yet? I'm bored. (laughs) The Hancock scandal was a matter of awkward timing for the Conservatives, who feared it would have a knock-on effect on the result of the Batley and Spen by-election on Thursday. It was a key race for Keir Starmer's Labour Party too, with murmuring going on behind the scenes about a potential left-wing challenge to his leadership, should Labour once again fail to deliver a victory. Here's Tom King with more. Thanks, Sam. I'm on the ground here in Batley, and that creaking noise you might be able to hear in the background is the sound of Keir Starmer's arsehole finally relaxing. This was a tense and nasty by-election that has been defined by ugly tactics and division. But in the end, the Labour Party has clung onto its seat. And I do mean clung. What was once a nice, firm grasp on this constituency has now crumbled away to a desperate fingertip grip. Labour have been left with a majority that's now slim enough to rediscover its sexual self-confidence and then have an affair with a gardener 15 years its junior. Nevertheless, the Labour leader's supporters believe this unexpected victory sends a clear message. Starmer's decision to sack Angela Rayner as his national campaign chair has been vindicated and a corner has been turned in the battle to win back the confidence of his MPs. Make no mistake, the odds were not looking good for Labour in this contest and a victory, no matter how tight the margin, will be a welcome result at Labour HQ. Labour have been steadily losing support among many of their key voter demographics for several years now, and Batley and Spen is no exception. Throw the self-aggrandising spanner that is George Galloway into the works, and this became a much tighter race than the party ever looked truly comfortable with. That Labour managed to overturn the polls' prediction of a Conservative victory means Starmer will be clinging on a bit longer. And for now... The left's hopes of a leadership challenge from Angela Rayner have been dashed. 
and there are some distinctly awkward questions to answer about just why this by-election turned into such an ugly affair. And ugly it was. This is the constituency where Joe Cox was brutally murdered by a far-right terrorist just five years ago. Her sister, Kim Leadbeater, has now won her former seat, but it was a victory marred by violence and intimidation on the campaign trail. Labour canvassers were egged and physically attacked, and Leadbeater herself was aggressively confronted and followed down the street by Shaquille Afsar. Now, he's a man whose greatest hits include spreading complete bollocks about the content of LGBT-inclusive lessons in schools and shouting angrily in the face of every woman who's ever disagreed with him. And with that sort of rot setting in, this by-election saw all kinds of parasites crawling out of the woodwork. Batley saw everything in the run-up to this result. It had far-right activists loudly defending free speech and insisting that the British education system should willfully insult Muslims at every possible opportunity. It also had homophobic Muslim bigots failing to see the irony in their demands to end LGBT indoctrination in schools by imposing their religious ideology on the education system of a secular society. It had Lawrence Fox, presumably because somebody was offering free sandwiches and the attention his father has clearly never given him. But above all else, it had George Galloway, first throwing the LGBT community under his campaign bus and now stomping his way through an embarrassingly Trumpian temper tantrum by threatening to challenge the result in court. And in that regard, we really do have much more in common than that which divides us. No matter which side of the debate you sit on, there are populist narcissists willing to exploit the divisions in our communities and political movements for personal gain. And when the leaders of our mainstream parties are either manipulative populists themselves or are so calculating and careful that it becomes impossible to identify what they actually stand for, our choices somehow feel narrower than ever before. The apathetic electoral wasteland that causes is a breeding ground for extremists whose false promises of real change start looking like a genuine alternative. Clearly, it's becoming more and more difficult for some voters to recognise them as the shallow frauds they are. And in a supposed democracy, that should worry all of us. I'm Tom King. Ending things on a cheerful note for once. Reporting for IC News. Now, it's not just the CCTV images coming out of the Department of Health that have been rapidly heating up recently. This week also saw a heatwave bake parts of Canada and the United States, shattering temperature records and causing dozens of deaths. As extreme weather events become more and more common, and the global political class continues to react sluggishly to the immediate threats posed by climate change, just what sort of future can the world look forward to? Alison June-Smith has been travelling the multiverse this week to find out. Climate change. Like the clitoris, it's a concept beginning with C. And the comparison doesn't end there. Because just like the clitoris, rich old conservatives have heard of climate change, but they prefer to pretend that it doesn't exist. Unfortunately for them, Mother Nature is a woman like any other. 
And after years of ignoring her needs, she's pissed. And we are going to have to plant some serious wood in that vagina before she's even remotely close to being satisfied. It's been a really fucking weird week to be a Canadian. There are lots of stereotypes that come to mind when we think of my home country. It might be the excessive politeness or the obsession with maple syrup or the love of ice hockey. It might even be the brutal historical horrors inflicted by our politicians and the Catholic Church on our indigenous children. That one's more recent. And to say it kind of sucks is a classic Canadian understatement. The one word you don't traditionally associate with Canada is heatwave. We're just not built for that shit, dude. Canada in a heat wave is kind of like Britain in the winter, just with the extremes reversed. The first hint of snow and your country breaks down faster than Matt Hancock's marriage. In my country, it's the heat that gets us. Warm a Canadian up to 50 degrees Celsius and we'll, well, we'll probably say please a bit less, which is basically full on road rage in my country. Extreme weather events like this week's searing heat wave are becoming more and more frequent. But the problem with climate change is that it's a long-term process. Now, you'd think that the literal wildfires that get lit under our politicians every summer would be enough to motivate them. But that simply isn't the case. Any meaningful action to address climate change is going to require a serious economic shift for any government. And that shift is going to be both expensive and politically difficult to achieve. Climate deniers are always going to want to kick the can down the road for as long as they possibly can. The problem with climate change is that the tipping point, if we delay action until we hit it, will be catastrophic and irreversible. Our natural disasters will feed the problem, with the melting permafrost in Siberia releasing methane into the atmosphere. Wildfires raging out of control will churn out even more carbon dioxide. There's no backpedaling from the edge of this disaster. We have to pump the brakes now or we are fucked. Climate change is a bit like Olivia Coleman's career. If we just stopped her at Green Wing or even halfway through Peep Show, we might have escaped. But it's too late now. Now she's everywhere. And soon, she's going to kill millions of people and displace hundreds of millions of others. The scenes in Canada and the United States this week are just a hint of what's to come, which is why I've come here. This is Earth Echo Delta Kevin Costner 52. And this Earth hit the tipping point of its climate crisis years ago. Sea levels have risen by over six feet, and I'm here at the coastal resort of Clacton-on-Sea. Sorry to interrupt, darling, but we don't really call it that anymore. Oh, right. So what do you call it? This, well, this is the formerly coastal resort of Clacton-in-Sea. We've got sun, sea, and, well, more sea. Now, do you mind shifting your house a bit? I'm trying to watch Towie and you're blocking my view of the TV dinghy. Oh God, you're telling me you've had a climate apocalypse, but the only way is Essex has survived? What? Nah, I'm talking about the only way is Aqueous. Isn't that spelt with an A? I don't fucking know. I'm not a rocket scientist. Well, there you have it, Sam. A nice illustration of the world's priorities. 
doesn't matter how bad things get as long as you have reality TV and a boat to watch it from. I'm Allison June Smith, reporting for IC News. Allison's report brings us to the end of our broadcast and the end of season four as a whole. We're going to be changing things up a bit moving forwards. For the next two Saturdays, we'll be releasing compilation episodes before switching to Sundays and returning properly with Season 5 on the 25th of July. Until then, as always, we leave you with the headlines you may have missed. Viewing figures for GB News fall behind those of the Welsh-language version of Paw Patrol, as it turns out that viewers much prefer cartoon dogs to cartoon dog whistles. Bill Cosby's conviction for sexual assault is overturned and he is immediately released from prison. The disgraced star is apparently looking forward to finally getting a good night's sleep, which is not typically a concept associated with Bill Cosby. Tory MP Joe Morrissey joins the Monarchist Society's calls for a portrait of the Queen in every British home and business, apart from in the nation's post offices, which already have thousands of them. And finally, a security guard in Brighton is found guilty of killing nine cats. Or if you think about it, just one cat really thoroughly. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you and goodbye. it's been a bumper year or so for the business. The jet washing's lucrative, sure, but the real money is in the optional extras. Danny, for the last time, I am not investing in your business. And people always want cocaine. Sort yourself out, enough icing sugar, and the markup on that shit's a no-brainer. Oops, excuse me, coming through. I spy a mini pizza with my name on it. Unless the mini pizza's also called David, and that's a name badge. <laughs> and this is a photo of me with Her Royal Highness the Princess Royal. Uh, oh, this is me at Buckingham Palace. And this next one, this is... Fucking hell, pal. What are you doing with that horse? Oops. <laughs> Sorry. Old photo. Not sure what that's doing in there. Aye, nor am I, you dirty bastard. Oh, my... The room's spinning. What's in this drink? Oh, hell no. I'm not being the black man in this scenario on Bill Cosby Week. You asked for water, I got you water. But it's fizzy. Yeah, I know. It's sparkling water. I'm a centrist. I can't take the bubbles. I've got to drive home. No, no way. I'm not playing. I'm going to go over there and talk to literally anyone else, all right? Oh, no, don't go. I, I haven't even told you how much I like David Lammy yet. <sighs> Fucking white people. All right, everybody, gather round. Thank you all for coming. Today marks the end of season four, so if you'd just like to join me in raising your glasses to our... <gasps> Unbelievable! You're fucking celebrating! Oh, hey, look, it's Rob28. Hey, Rob. I thought you'd cancelled yourself. Hey, Rob, is that... Is that all you've got to fucking say? I annihilated every trace of myself from across the multiverse. I destroyed every other Rob Mulholland because of what you did to me. Yeah, I know. Don't you get what that means? 
an infinite number of possible robs, which means an equally infinite number of robs flying planes at the time, an infinite number of crashes, an infinite number of dead passengers, an infinite ocean of suffering, all because of you. Why are you still here, then? Because the cancelling machine exists in a quantum-locked bubble, Sam. It was a MacGuffin, remember? It was shielded. I survived. The last Rob Mulholland ever to exist. No, I mean, why are you still here? I kind of took your big gesture as a resignation letter. Why am I here? I'll tell you why, you son of a bitch! I'm here because I've drained the bank accounts of countless deleted Rob Mulhollands. I wanted to look you in the fucking eye and tell you that I'm going to use the money to bring you down. I'm a billionaire now. You hear me? A fucking billionaire. I'm untouchable. The last Rob Mulholland in existence and I'm rich enough to crush you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy there, big fella. Come on. Let's bring it down a notch or two. Click, click. Let's go up on the roof for some fresh air, shall we? We'll discuss this like gentlemen, with handshakes and waistcoats and moustaches. Don't touch me. But you know what? Fine. Yeah. Let's go get some air. I'm not done with you, Sam. Not by a long fucking shot. Lovely. You can tell me all about this billionaire stuff on the way up. Well, that was dramatic. As I was saying, everyone, thanks so much for coming. We couldn't have done this without you, and it's only thanks to you that season four has been such a roaring success. Now, if you'd just like to raise your glasses... Um, anyone own a white Fiat Punto? again. It's me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar. 